Welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I am your host, Casey Ruff, and as usual, we have an amazing guest to introduce to you today. Um, today, we are with Nadine Artemis. Nadine is an author, aromacologist, and botanical form- formulator for over 25 years. She has pioneered the luxury skincare and wellness brand, Living Libations. She is the author of two books, Renegade Beauty and Holistic Dental Care. She has garnered attention from the New York Times, Goop, Vogue, and many other media outlets. She is described by Alanis Morissette as a true sense visionary. The founder of Aveda, Horst Reichelbacher, calls Nadine a pure flower of creativity. Wow, that is such a cool compliment. (laughs) (laughs) You must love that. It was sweet. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I was going to open the show by telling you that the sound quality might not be very good because rather than record inside for your episode, I was going to be outside in the sun, in the fresh air. And I think you probably wouldn't have minded if the sound quality was a little lower, but unfortunately it's super windy and there's road construction (laughs) outside. So back inside in the closet. (laughs) Yeah. Where, where are you calling from? So we're um, just outside of Salt Lake City. Oh, Utah. sweet. Yeah, where are you? Yeah. I'm in Ontario, Canada. Nice. And we just had some big windstorms the other day, so I'm on my third day without power. Oh, jeez. That's pretty yeah. disruptive. <laughs> yeah, but we've got, you know, batteries, and I got a little bit of heat. <laughs> oh, that's it's cold good. now. Is it cold already? <laughs> no. Oh, yeah, and it's supposed to go to minus 15 tonight. Oh, no, that's... So- Way too cold. <laughs> well, if I if yeah. I can, I'll send you a blanket. Thank you. <laughs> I want you to. Um, I've heard you define this in the past, and every time I hear the answer, I I just really love it. I would love you to define to the listener what does beauty mean. Well, I, yeah, there's so many ways to answer that because on one level, it's so nuanced. But I'll tell you what, it's not. It's definitely not something that we apply to ourselves. And as, you know, sort of cliched as it sounds, it is a feeling that comes from within. And that feeling, I feel like, resonates, um, you know, with our physical appearance, so to speak. Mm, yeah, and I, I feel like it's, it's, it's about that feeling, which is also really about our relationship to life which is about our relationship to, you know, living and to ourselves. So how are we engaging with creation? Yeah, I love that. How, how did you become interested in jiving the physical beauty with that definition of beauty? Yeah, I feel like, you know, when I look back at sort of all the patterns that brought me to this moment, I definitely had a, a fun childhood um, you know, definitely steeped in nature. And I, that was like a very strong foundation for me, which was just really, you know, me and I had access to the woods. It wasn't like, you know, I had a grandmother teaching me herbalism or anything, but I just was just connected to the natural world. So then when it kind of like in late teens and university, when I wasn't around, like my life wasn't sort of about nature, we weren't going to the cottage and all that. I just definitely missed it so much and was finding everything I could do to get back to that. Also in my teens, it was very classic and just fully, you know, into makeup and beauty. But I was loving all the lotions and potions and bottles and the thought of concoct, and I would concoct perfumes out of essential oils. So I had that going, that sort of mixologist sense and sensibility, that alchemy. And then in university, I was fortunate enough to study 
um, women's studies, which is cross, it's a cross-disciplinary um, area of study too. So it was like women in film, women and philosophy, women in, um, I can't remember all the courses now, like Africa. So there was like this real cross-cultural and cross-course information that I was diving into and in many of those courses we were really looking at you know women's journey with their bodies through uh different cultures and different time periods um and all the things we would do that we have done in the name of medicine and beauty and um I found that fascinating and really it's a history of not health (laughs) on a lot of levels And so I did find it all merged and that, you know, I found like, let's, you know, redefine beauty. Let's understand this. Let's understand what we're putting on and on and in and around our bodies in the name of beauty that is, that are also really not beautifying practices, you know? So it's just like a huge area of study um, that I feel is just so interconnected. If I open up one of my personal training books I will learn about the muscles and I'll learn about bones and ligaments and tendons, but it will pretty much just skip right past anything related to the skin. And I think it's interesting mm-hmm. that it's, it's what we see physically on the outside, but it's, it's often overlooked. Did you find that as well? I did. And I think even when we say simple things that a lot of people might know, like the skin's our largest organ, it's still like, even when I hear that now, and I know, I really do know that, it's just like, yeah, and it's so different because we don't think of it like the liver or the kidneys, which we can't see and we don't have that same relationship to. So I feel like on one level, it's just so obvious in our lives, like we know our skin, that we also have forgotten a bit about it or its function or that, you know, it's a huge eliminative organ and it can get congested and all these things. But meanwhile, we're just through sort of, you know, like, um, you know, commercials or media, like how we're supposed to think about our skin and pick it and poke it and prod it and apply these chemicals. It's really that whole more commercialized journey of beauty that we've kind of all been, uh, that we've all sort of had um, exposure to in Western culture you know, I feel like those things really do steer us off course from really having an understanding and a relationship to our skin and with our skin. Hmm. That's very interesting. I, I think it's like so many other things in life where there's some type of a problem and a company is more than willing to come along and turn that problem into money for themselves, which causes another problem, which they will then sell us another product. <laughs> is, is that kind of what you found? Yeah. And then sometimes it's re- there's really not even a problem to begin with, but for sure. And then something that's being sold for that then can create other things because there can be side effects. And really, even in just the basics of, um, of skincare where, you know, we're, we're washing with foaming surfactants, which are for sure soaps been around forever, but all these sort of modern surfactants and chemical surfactants, we're now seeing, now that we can understand the microbiome and now that we're studying it, researchers are seeing that surfactants are leaving microscopic splinters lodged into the stratum corneum, which is the very thin top layer of the skin. And they don't go away from simply rinsing the face as we would after washing with soap. They lodge themselves in there and they build up over time. And this is all happening on a microscopic level. And what that that can lead to are things like 
you know, just sort of dry, imbalanced patches or areas that are red and irritating. Or for some, it could be melasma or hyperpigmentation. For others, it could be eczema or acne. And then we're drying that out. And then we're like adding in some form of moisture, which could be, you know, some kind of synthetic silicone or polymer, soy-based, petroleum-based. And, you know, it's just getting so messy then. And what we're not understanding is that our skin, besides being our largest organ, is also this garden. It's this teeming tapestry with trillions of bacteria that have a home on our skin. And we really need to be good hosts to this bacterial banquet. And we want to actually step out of the way and we want to allow the bacteria to be our beautician, which is quite different than sort of this more chemical mindset that came out of the 40s that was sort of this more scorched earth policy and that was seen whether it was in agriculture or skincare um, where it was just like, you know, this sort of more germ warfare theory, which through understanding the microbiome in these past two decades, we're really realizing that uh, we need the bacteria in our soil. We need the bacteria in our guts and we need the bacteria on our skin. So modern skincare really um, is not designed for maintaining a healthy microbiome. Mm, that's very well explained. What, what makes you cringe the most when you, when you look at, like you mentioned, current skincare practices? Mm-hmm. What, what makes you really cringe? Well, as I was saying that, and before you asked the question, I was just in my head, just because I'll get like sort of industry emails from, you know, the more commercial realm of beauty, like, you know, the news for like L'Oreal and Revlon and all the big players. And what's funny is the focus on the microbiome is really growing. And I find it funny because then you'll see the products that are made And it could be sort of something that's prebiotic or probiotic. And it's just in this sea of petroleum and different chemicals and stuff. And so it's, it's kind of humorous, but. Mm. I just just finished a book by Dr. James Hamlin and he wrote a book called clean. And, and in this Mm. book, he didn't shower for five years. Um, So it was very interesting and um, really cool to, hear what he was doing and, and part of the part of the book writing process he decided that he was going to walk over to Whole Foods he was going to buy a bunch of ingredients that had catchy names like oh vitamin c prebiotic probiotic um collagen all these catchy trendy terms and he was going to make his own lotion that didn't really like do anything. He's not an expert in any of it. And he was going to, he set up a website and he was going to sell it for some (laughs) crazy high amount just as an experiment for the book. (laughs) Right. And he didn't, he didn't end up going through with it. I think he has a bit more of a conscience than to kind of trick people. But I think that illustrates the point of what you're saying is like, there's so many of these ingredients. Are they proven to work or is it just marketing? Well, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of ingredients and where you'll find, whether it's even in the, in the more green beauty industry or natural beauty industry or the commercial, is there's always like this one that's highlighted and it's like the new ingredient. But when you really look at it, it, it a, usually has other ingredients that are hidden and it's in such a small amount, it's kind of irrelevant. And so there definitely are ingredient trends that I think are completely irrelevant <laughs> on so many levels. 
Um, and really, I also feel like from the botanical world, it's like, sure, there's new discoveries, but like what I love working with are the ones that have been used in skincare, oral care for thousands of years and, you know, have a beautiful track record in another way. And it's about using the primary ingredient as a single ingredient. So all of, you know, everything I'm working with at the foundational root level is single ingredients without any other things like the simplest form that I can have it extracted from the plant. So, you know, all these steps along the way are so key. Um, and definitely plants will do things essential. There, there are beautiful botanical active ingredients that will, that are great allies for our skin that can take care of, of acne so that you don't have to use a chemical and you can use, you know, a drop of frankincense or Niuli or Immortel on a blemish or acne. And it's going to work with your bacteria. And at the same time, that's the fun thing about essential oils is they are antibacterial, antifungal and antiviral to varying degrees. They all have different properties. So I'm, I'm generalizing right now. But what's so neat and what we're discovering again with modern science that looking back at these ingredients we've used for thousands of years is they're seeing that essential oils have something known as quorum sensing inhibitors, QSI for short. And what that means is that, so quorum sensing inhibitors inhibit the expression of pathogens in the body. So when pathogens are starting to get to be problematic. That means they're able to like gain traction and communicate and gain um, kind of group up and form more colonies, which then can lead to biofilms, et cetera. And so essential oils are known to inhibit the quorum sensing and the communication of the pathogens. And so they're able to bust that up. They're also able to bust through biofilms in, in ways that some antibiotics can't. And at the same time, they're able to work in coordination with the friendly bacteria. So they really are. It's so great that we have access to these amazing distillates, to these amazing um, elixir ingredients. And so on, on a skincare level, you know, they can help to inhibit the enzymes that break down collagen. They can help uh, ease keloid formation. They can help to stimulate circulation and cell activity in an area. So there's definitely ingredients that do stuff. Um, but I do find that sometimes it's just marketing fluff and there's no real oomph behind the ingredient or really no, um, not enough of that ingredient in the product to do what it's supposed to do. Wow. That's so interesting. So on that note, if you look at your current products that you sell and you go back mm -hmm. and compare it to what you are working with, at university when you first started kind of being a chemist and playing with this kind of stuff, are, are your products vastly different than what you were playing with back then? No. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Not at all. I mean, there's definitely like new little, like, you know, there's, I mean, there's a ton of things that I didn't make them, but there's, it's just the heart and soul is the same. And also for some reason, like pretty much right out of the gate, I was able to discern differences in quality. I mean, as soon as sort of quality came to me and I was sourcing from around the world rather than just sort of at a local store. Um, and then once I locked on to that quality and to a lot of the distillers I work with today, it's like a lot of it's even coming from the same land <laughs> that I was doing so wow. long ago as well. That's so cool. So, so what would you tell the average listener who is, you know, the showering 
two times a day. They're using shampoo conditioner, you know, once or twice a day, scrubbing every single part of their body. They're using deodorant. What, what tips and tricks would you give to, you know, a normal person practicing hygiene in 2020? Yeah, that's a great question. And hygiene is important right now. Um, you know, sort of our quarantine hygiene is a factor. What what we've also come to know in the, in the last few decades as we're um, studying the microbiome is there's sort of this other thing called the hygiene hypothesis. So part, part of also of our culture is we got too clean. So that being said, though, I, you know, I like to be clean. I like the feeling of clean, but we've got to find that balance. So for sure, bathing and showering, you can do that, you know, five times a day if you want. What you want to exclude is, is the harsh soaps. And bathing, like, you know, salt baths or magnesium baths, you can put a drop of iodine in there, frankincense. So there are ways that we can engage with the water and have that pleasure and that ritual or just that feeling, really. Like if you're having a shower in the morning, you want to have that wake-up feeling. And that can be done with the water. And you can even, there's even a way to use essential oils in the shower. You can put a few drops, um, you know, in the bottom. I mean, so, yeah, in the, in the base and put the plug in for a minute and you can kind of get those aromas wafting up or a lot of them are safe to use. Um, you can use them neat and you could put some on your chest and have the steam kind of work them up. So there's fun ways to use the oils in there uh, in a shower as well. Um, but we don't want to be soaping as much as we have. And we definitely want to be using like just a natural bar soap. And you just want to do pits and bits. You don't want to be using soap on your face and like your thigh, your forearm, all of those beautiful areas of your body don't need soap ever. And it's better for the skin and the balance of the microbiome to just leave it, leave those areas alone. Then you're just sort of taking care of pits and bits. Um, obviously the guy who wrote that book clean, I don't know if he was doing the same thing, but you know, it's good to do that. And then again, everybody's different, but you probably can find that you can wash your hair less. And as you, there could be a transition period, but once you transition, you'll find that it does, it needs washing less. You know, I can, I usually get away with just washing my hair every two weeks yeah, I love and that. no, you know, and it's all fine. And, and then my son, we just didn't wash his hair as a baby and we just wash it about once a year right now. Um, it seems year. to wow. be working well. Awesome. We're in a, in year 13 and <laughs> I laugh and he really was just, he hates washing his hair. So I'm glad we haven't had to do that too much, but really you would not know like his scalp is clean and beautiful and it just is never greasy. So I'm not sure what deeper balance we found there, but he has a great, great head of hair. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Well, that is really great advice. I know for me personally, I found your work um, almost four or five years ago and started to put those things in practice. And my, my skin, my hair feel way better than they ever have. And I use a lot, great. Less, lot less of those products than I used to use before. Sweet. That's uh, so good. Yeah. And then other things you can just replace, you know, like use the deodorant, but just don't use one with chemicals. Um, we make some great poetic pits. We also have underarm charm cream deodorants. Uh, you could just use a dusting of baking soda. Uh, you could use a drop of sandalwood. So there's so many options. And my book, Renegade Beauty, goes in deep. There's so much practical information in there. That's awesome. We will definitely link to that in the show notes and make sure our listeners know where to go. Um, I do want to bring you back to talk about some of the products you make, but I want to talk to you first about my one of my favorite topics, which is sunshine. So let's take a quick yeah. break and we'll come back and talk about the light. 
Now, there's a lot of different things that I tell people that can make them mad. So if I tell <laughs> them that vegetable oils do not belong in a diet, some people get mad at me. If I tell people I don't necessarily believe that fiber is absolutely essential in a diet, some people get mad at me. Um, and when I tell people that they shouldn't be using sunscreen, people get livid. <laughs> they get really, really angry. Why do people get so upset about the sun? Well, I'm not sure why that, but I do, we have some things to undo here because we've had really a lot of decades of really only understanding the sun in one way. I don't, you know, it's pretty, you don't hear a lot that the sun could actually be good for you. We're hearing that vitamin D is good for you and that sunshine's bad for you. So we kind of have to like undo some stuff. And that's why I dedicated a whole chapter in Renegade Beauty because when we're undoing sort of a way that we've, you know, accepted information, we want to un get underneath it all with some solid information as well. And so in my book, I have a lot of studies that I cite from, you know, sources like the New England Journal of Medicine and the Cochrane Review, which pulls pull together different studies on sunscreen. And so, so we'll talk about it now, but just know, you know, there's, there's some science to back this up. And we do have some articles on our website as um, as a first foray into understanding this. Because, you know, when we have been told one way and we're like, hey, maybe there's something else going on. We, you know, you want to go through through it properly so people can really understand. And um, so, yeah, there, there we have the sun. Um, it's been around for a while. And it, it of course, it? is what, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's what's making all the things grow. I love, you know, the, the, I have a quote in my book. There's this poem by uh, Hafiz where he talks about the sun. And it just is like, you know, my son has, the sun has been my lover for millions of years. Mm. And I love that because, you know, it's like, we have to understand sort of on this side, the sun on a scientific level and on a mythical level and on a philosophical level. Um, to really grasp it. And um, one thing that I find that's really important is really understanding sunscreen. I because, find so interesting. Yeah, the sunscreen's really such a, a key component. And one of the, my favorite doctors on the subject is Dr. Bernard Ackerman. And he was the founding father of dermatopathology, which is um, a sort of more serious uh, realm of study than derma dermatology it's dermatopathology so it's studying you know the skin and disease because mm. that's really at the end of it all none of us want skin cancer skin cancer is scary it's it's you know there's different kinds and it can be common and of course melanoma is quite um lethal it can be quite lethal but when and i'll speak generally here but when we're looking at the studies what we see is that people that live closer to the equator people that have more recreational time in the sun, pe you know, people that live close to the sun, as I said, they all, they, you know, they have less chance of developing melanoma. And where it seemed to happen is people that were just sporadically in the sun, um, but working a lot under fluorescent lights. So and this study was done before, you know, the entire workforce was working with a computer every day. So I think there's probably some new nuances to that. It all, the studies also find that the use of sunscreen seems to increase chances of cancer, moles, and freckles. So 
what we want to understand is like, A, is it good for our sun to be in the skin? I mean, sorry, for our skin to be in the sun. And B, if, it, if we are going to be in the sun, you know, how are we going to engage with the sun? And what we also know is that vitamin D, which is, which is not really a vitamin, but it's more of a steroid, it's more of a hormonal precursor, but we're going to call it vitamin D because that's what we decided. Um, so we have thousands of studies now that show that sufficient levels of vitamin D is needed to prevent a whole slew of diseases. So sufficient vitamin D will slash your risk of breast cancer by 50%. Wow. Juvenile diabetes seems to happen when the pregnant mother is insufficient in vitamin D. There are studies for this current virus um, out there that show that sufficient vitamin D levels will either help prevent you contracting the virus or will make the symptoms milder. Mm, so the experience. Yeah, and that's, that's really good to know as well. So when we look at our skin and how it was designed, we know that there are thousands of vitamin D receptors, short form VDRs, all over our body, on our skin and in, in places too where the sun doesn't shine. So we could maybe just take vitamin D uh, supplement and not be in the sun. But what we also know is that vitamin D is a good supplement, but it's a fat soluble supplement and that is needed. But when we engage with the sun, we create a water soluble form of vitamin D that cleanses our blood. And as we know, right, you put things in the sunshine to clean them. So it cleanses our blood. It generates antimicrobial peptides. So there's a whole bunch of stuff, a whole bunch of chemical reactions that are positive that happen when our sun and this, um, sorry, when the sun, the sun and our skin are engaged and we're drinking in those sunbeams. So we get a different form of vitamin D, which creates a very healthy cholesterol sulfate. Having enough vitamin D and interacting with the sun on our skin creates things that we need, like these antimicrobial peptides, which then generate something called catholicidins, which generates a type of peptide called LL37, naturally in our bodies, and studies show when, um, for the LL37 peptide, which can be actually taken, um, it's a substance, um, they were, it was shown to help people that were experiencing sepsis, for example. So these are all the wonderful chemical reactions that happen from this very primordial, primal relationship of the sun and our skin. And our skin was literally designed to be receiving those rays. Um, you know, our pores dilate to receive and bring in those sunbeams, which is, again, we still don't even know, you know, all the wavelengths and all that we're ingesting, so to speak, when we're interacting with sunbeams. And the other thing is when we're using sunscreen, Besides all the chemicals that we now know are, you know, um, disruptive to the endocrine system, could lead to fertility issues, um, take their toll on our liver, uh, these kind of things. Besides that, the key thing is that sunscreen separates UVA rays from UVB rays. So when we have sunscreen on, we're only receiving the UVA rays into our body. And UVA rays without its ultraviolet partner, UVB, is just 
the sun damaging ray. It's like sitting in front of a window the whole time, um, which if anybody has like had a commute that they've done for years and there's always like a blast of sun coming through one window, you know, that arm would have more freckles on it. So we need the full spectrum of rays and it's the UVB that generates the vitamin D. So sunscreen is a bit of a problem on a number of levels. Wow. That's so crazy. I want to talk about some safe alternatives that we can be using um, yes. in lieu of using sunscreen. So um, let's get back to that in a second. But, uh, before we go, I, I want to hear, you talked about supplementation if somebody doesn't have access to the sun, they live at a latitude where they're not getting a lot of direct sunlight. You, you do find that like supplementation <laughs> is, yeah, right. You're up in Ontario. Yeah. You do find that supplementation can be a good alternative. Well, it's like a partnership I feel. So I've just like last week I was able to, the rays were still long enough. So I'll keep getting sun as long as I can, but it does stop around now in November where the rays aren't really generating vitamin D and that, and they won't generate vitamin D now till March. So we're like solar batteries a bit. So we want to store up. You want to start your sun tanning in the spring. You want to start slowly, but surely it could be 10 minutes a day working up to an hour, you know, and that's flipping sort of half an hour each side. There's an app called D minder, which will put in your geographic. Yeah. See, that's what everybody needs. So then you're also going, you're going to kind of know now how much protection do you need? Cause, cause there's going to be a, you want to have no protection for a bit. And now it's going to depend on your skin, right? Like a redhead, multi-generational Irish redhead is going to have a different story than, you know, a, a Greek, a person from Greece, let's say that has sort of a Mediterranean heritage. So we all have our different nuances. So you got to know your skin and you got to sort of work up if you haven't been, even if you're even Mediterranean, but you haven't been in the sun for years, you're going to have to work up to that. So that's why you want to start slowly but surely. And the D minder will tell you how many minutes today you need to be in the sun to get X amount of vitamin D. So that's great. And then after that, if you still are going to be on the sun, then that's when you want to think about, you know, either clothing or a hat or using botanicals. So we make a product called Everybody Loves the Sunshine which is like a golden tanning oil. And what that's going to do is just extend your time in the sun. So maybe that sweet Irish redhead that may extend their time in the sun, maybe 10 or 15 minutes more for that Mediterranean. Maybe that's all they need is just that golden tanning oil. And that could help them be in the sun for three or four hours. Wow. Now, then we have a, the same formula and then we add zinc to it. And how zinc works is it deflects the sun's rays. So you're not absorbing anything. It's literally a sun block and the rays just bounce off of it. So that's where you can put on your nose or your shoulders. If you've got to, you know, surf for a few hours and can't wear a hat. Mm, Interesting. There's also something interesting about what you can and can't call a sunscreen, correct? Yes, sort of. So SPF, so people might, they might ask, well, okay, well, what's the SPF of Everybody Loves the Sunshine? And it doesn't have one because SPF is a classification of, or a term that can only be used with synthetic ingredients. So that's out of our wheelhouse. We can't use SPF. However, there are plants, plant oils that have like you can, you can kind of relate it to an SPF. So even like just olive oil on its own or coconut oil 
has kind of a, we'll call it like a metaphorical SPF of like, you know, a six, seven or eight. And uh, oils that are high in pigments are also protective. So you could add like a sea buckthorn to that coconut oil, you know, which would extend it a bit. But it's, you can't really say SPF because it's just a different class and it's all been categorized according to, you know, the tests that have been done on those synthetic ingredients. Mm, very interesting. So that was great. That was a bunch of tips that you gave us that can help us decide how to have safer interactions with the sun. Are there any others? Um, I will just say like, just start slowly, you know, know, know your skin and then just really build it up and you'll build up that melanin. Like even in January, I'm, you know, not, not as pale now that I've really past decade. I've really realized that the sun, my time in the sun's like a non-negotiable for my general health and well-being. And so I just have like a base layer now that's just really handy. And I find like, yeah, I haven't burned in years. It was more, I felt like it was my early, it was more when I was in the other system and a teenager and, you know, where it was just like that using the SPFs and not really understanding the sun in my skin where those, that's when I was actually sort of getting burnt more. And then in my twenties, that's when I developed everybody loves the sunshine and I experimented with it out in the desert. And that's sort of when I kind of got everything locked in a bit better. I love that. Yeah, when I when I found your work, I I got that tip to start early, start slow. And you're right, I never ever burn. And I spend a lot of time outside. Most of the day I'm outside I'm with my clients working out outside. And I, I never get a burn. I could be, you know, summer solstice all day without a shirt on and I would I would not burn. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I feel like I'm up to that level too. I feel like it would be different if I was in Hawaii where, you know, the sun's stronger, but it, it definitely just feels, yeah, like I just feel like I've sort of brought my body up to, it's like the level of functionality in that area. I think it's like a bit of an untapped thing when we're not really working with our vitamin D receptors sort of brimming with this mm. invisible nutrient that gets created with sunbeams. Yep. And then, and then in that situation, if you were to go to a place that had really direct sun sunlight when you weren't ready for it in that season you can leverage some of those other tips without having to put a whole bunch of chemicals on your skin that react with heat and light use the shade wear a hat you know spend a little bit less time yeah and get that early earlier morning sun Mm. you know which is like that's when you can really just lay out and bring it in like you know definitely like so I find in tropics that usually till around 10 but for the rest of the planet really you you want it you can really use that morning sun till solar noon to tan I don't I'm not I don't really vibe with the uh, 11 to 3 don't go in the sun then I find like you want to actually you know till till depending on where noon is for you because it can be one o'clock in the afternoon depending on daylight savings and uh it's that morning the morning sun. And then if as much as I can too, to see the sunrise and sunset is, a, is really such a special gift when that, when those, when those line up in my days. That's so great. So another thing that I noticed that I got used to was being out in direct sunlight without sunglasses. And this morning mm-hmm. I was fortunate enough to see the sunrise, which was amazing. And I can, look, you know, not directly at the sun, obviously, but in that direction and let the beams of light go into my eyes. Can you describe what that process is and what the benefit is? Yeah, well, it's called, I, called sun gazing and it seems to be an ancient practice. And actually you can absorb, you can look directly at the sun in that first hour or the last hour of the day. 
And, and that even can, that can be strong. And so what you do is obviously the closer to the horizon, the easier it is to just drink it in. Um, but what you want to do is just cover one eye with your palm and then you can, and then it's easier to absorb the light and you kind of get used to it that way. And then, you know, eventually you'll be strong. Your eyes will be strong enough to absorb the light with both eyes open. And that's really good too, because we're so indoors. We're so using computer time that a lot of people go outside and they're like squinting, um, especially kids. So you, you definitely want them to develop, you know, that helps develop their eyes well. And if, if it is hard for you to absorb, like to just to walk outside in daylight without squinting, then that is, you know, that's a sign that you want to work on absorbing, being able to absorb more light with your eyes. And that helps prevent crow's feet and stuff. Interesting. Um, I've heard you mention in the past a type of therapy that was done with people with um, bone diseases, you know, polio, things like that, where they would be in the sunshine to get treated. And one of the catches was they had to have their, their eyes exposed to the sunlight to get the cure. Is that, do I have that correct? Yeah, that comes out of, so in 1902, uh, heliotherapy, Dr. Niels Feinson won the Nobel Peace Prize for heliotherapy, which is using the light to, to heal. And so this was sort of the beginning of our modern use, like use of the sun because ancient times are using and working and worshiping the sun in many different forms and they, they got it. So then in the, so now we're at the beginning of the 19th century, we're beginning to go, okay, let's bring this into science. And then from that work in the twenties, Dr. Auguste Rollier um, began healing clinics in Lausanne, Switzerland, which were like these hospitals with these big verandas. Everybody's wheeled out during the day. Um, kids are, playing in the snow every day with just these little like diapers on so that they're getting all this sun exposure in the high mountain air. And um, so it was his studies and people come from all over Europe and they were healing yeah, tuberculosis and um, rickets and bone diseases, wounds and all kinds of stuff. I think it was even written up at time in time magazine at the time. Um, and so he discovered that the healing benefits don't take place if the eyes are shaded. Mm. which but you could still be but it was okay if like you had a hat on you know what I mean so it was oh. like yeah it was just, just a fascinating thing so for sure use your sunglasses and obviously they're good for driving mm -hmm. but if you're lying in the sun and you're sun bathing you don't want to have glasses at that, that stage yeah, yeah. totally love that um, we had two listener questions today. One of them was something that I've heard, and I wasn't able to confirm this if it were true or not, but when you are out in the sun and you come back in, should there be a waiting period of time that you um, rinse off, shower? Yeah, that's a good question. So you can you can be in like natural water, like uh, so you can swim in a lake or river, or if you have pure non-municipal tap water coming out like just well water but apparent but the chemicals or soap is not what you want because it does apparently interfere with your vitamin d absorption so you would want you know have your shower or whatever then before you go in the sun i would suggest yeah gotcha the other question was the role of diet how does diet affect our interactions with the sun 
Yeah, it does affect it. And um, there are studies that show, you know, eating a diet higher in pigments creates an internal sunscreen. And actually, the last time I was in Hawaii, uh, before this all happened, it was so neat because there's just one of those sort of very classic men that you would feel like you're like, you see him and you're like, you're, you get to spend a lot of time on the beach. You know, you just see that. And it was so funny because he was talking to another couple and he was saying, yeah, it's just you take the acetaxanthin and it creates like an internal sunscreen and you can absorb way much more sun. And, and, and it was so true. And it's a red algae is the acetaxanthin, and it really does help build up your inner sunblock, so to speak, or I, more like an inner sun harmonizer, because it's not blocking the sun, but it's going to help you absorb and use those rays and create more of a golden, you know, melanin tan than without. Mm. That's super interesting. Let's say, let's say I, I goof it up, I go outside, I'm out there a little too long, and I get a sunburn. Can you explain what mm-hmm. is going on with a sunburn? Yeah, well, this it's actually easier for your body to deal with a sunburn than it is for your body to deal with like tanning for six hours in sunscreen and getting red from that. Your body can deal with it better. Um, it has a there's your body's designed to release the heat and repair the DNA from a burn, so it's not as damaging as we think. Where sun damage comes in is when we're baking these chemicals that we're using in our daily care and then going into the sun. Or we're eating foods high, like rancid, polyunsaturated fatty acids like your mazola, canola, corn, soy oils. Just trash, pure trash. Pure trash. And if you're eating that, and most North American diets have like 20% of those type of oils in it, doesn't mean you're going to see it as oil, but it, it's in the f- food. You know what I mean? It's not like, so you may not be pouring the mazola on your pan to cook with it, but that kind of thing could be in your processed food. And even canola is like in all the foods at the bar at Whole Foods. Everything. At the food. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. I, I, I tell them every time I'm like, if I feel like it that day, I'm like, Why? <laughs> why wherever you know wherever i'm at whole foods could be california or new york or ontario why anyway yeah so canola so those are things that are causing you know the hyperpigmentation the melasma or the not you know we got to think about what are we offering the sun to it's it's a it's a combined relationship Mm, right it's beautiful i love it takes two to tango love that yeah that's amazing yeah, I mean, with a polyunsaturated oil, it's extremely fragile and it um, oxidizes and, and gets rancid with light, heat, and air. And so if I'm walking through the grocery mm-hmm. store and I see a clear plastic gallon of very inexpensive corn oil and then mm-hmm. I heat it up or I put it inside my body mm-hmm. and then the sun interacts mm-hmm. with it, what is going to happen? Of course, it's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. And all those oils have been winterized, deodorized, oh, yeah. depigmented. We'll link, we'll link to the video um, from the show. I, I think it's like how it's made, where it shows you how canola mm. oil is made. And if you oh. care to eat canola oil after watching the process, you're, you're a braver person than I am because it looks disgusting. <laughs> wow. Wow. Looks and disgusting. also the ratios, you know, the omega ratios are off. So we're in, I, I believe we're getting too much omega-6 and it's rancid. Yep. So the moment it's going into our bodies, it's it's creating a chain of you know uh, a cascade of, of of situations, including like free radicals and 
oxidization and the cells aren't happy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been super helpful. I've, I've so much enjoyed your content on this over the years when the shutdown happened in March. Um, my wife and I, I don't, I don't know if you ever watched the show Portlandia. There's a scene in Portlandia where it's kind of dark and cold and everybody's waiting for springtime and a, a light of sunshine will pop up and the whole town like runs to that one little spot and yes. they throw a little party and then it gets cloudy again and pops up somewhere else. And they run. So that was basically us in the spring during the shutdown. You know, everybody yes. said they were locked down. We didn't feel locked down. This is the most free we've ever been. And anytime the sun was out, we were out there and we built up a base to the point that we can spend most of our time outdoors in the safest environments and, and help care for our people and keep them safe as well. And a lot of that comes from your education and your knowledge. So we really appreciate that. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I just try and find it wherever I can. Luckily, we have some sliding windows to go to decks. So I will open those up and I will lie in the patch of sun in my house, you know, <laughs> if it's cold out. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. How cold does it get in, on, on that like deck? How cold does it get? Oh, cold. Like again, tonight it might be minus 15 and it's just November. So <laughs> wow. yeah, yeah, we were, we were out in springtime. Some of the days I was, I would check the temperature and it was like mid thirties and we'd be out there, you know, shirt oh, off, for sure. just, yeah. just who yeah. are these freaks outside <laughs> trying to get some sun. <laughs> Um, well, thank you again for this information. This has been great. Let's take a quick break, and then I've got a few more questions for you. Okay, so I've got something here that I would like to read to you. This is something that I found in my shower. Um, it's been there for quite a while. Um, it's it's a really high-end like face wash, basically. And I bought it several years ago, and you know it's marketed as um, just really gentle and, and blah blah blah. I'm going to read you something from this package. You can tell me what's going on. Okay. <clears throat> I practiced this um, like six times, by the way. So um, <laughs> <laughs> not easy, but let's see if we can get through it. Okay, Aqua. Coca miodopropyl betanine, coco glucoside, co glucoside glycerin, mm -hmm. that's an easy one, sodium laurel sarcosinate, uh, oh. acrylates dash C10 dash 30 alkyl acrylate cross polymer, phenooxythenol, sodium citrate. I'm not even halfway done. <laughs> Wow. I'm not even halfway done. And then I go to your site and I read ingredients in your products and they say avocado or yeah. walnut. Lavender. Or yeah. Well, yeah, we'll have the Latin that. name beside it. But yeah, so those are more complicated. Well, I wouldn't even, so the only ingredient there is aqua water, fine, um, except it's tap water. Probably, Probably, right? Of <laughs> so I would not, oh, like that's what I mean. Like, wow, you can have that or you could just have some olive oil bar soap you know but or clay but we don't we don't even need to use we don't need to use soap to wash our faces we want to use oil and we only need to do our pits and bits right so we only just need that bar soap or you could eat a lot of people use a, a tiny squirt of our shampoo or they take our shampoo and put it in a foaming you know foaming hand um oh yeah you can buy just get a foaming pump on uh, and put it on a mason jar 
and then you add like 50% water, you could add some spring water, and then it just extends and foams the, the soap. So it just lasts so long. So you only need like one squirt of that. You do your pits and bits, scrub your nails. It's always good to scrub your nails. And then you're good to go. I love but that. But why, yeah, see that? And why would you put that on your face or your skin? <laughs> Know. It's insane. It's so insane. Well, I guess that was a waste of money. I got to go throw this away now. <laughs> yeah, that's hard too, eh? When you have all those things. When, yeah, where do you, where do they all go? <laughs> what are, when you uh, clean out your bathrooms. <laughs> exactly. It goes right in the trash. Um, what are some of your other favorite products that you make? Oh, that's always a hard one. But I find, I mean, I always have like, you know, a best skin ever. I love the best skin ever rose and, the rose glow serum that's sort of like all I need to take care of my face and skin. I'll use that all over. I'll bring it to massages. You know, it's great. Um, for my, for my poetic pits, my favorite is the Neroli poetic pits. It's, I think it's our most expensive one, but it was actually, I was just making that for myself. And then I was like, Oh, I think people would like it too. Mm. And it's got like just the exquisite Hawaiian sandalwood and the Neroli again, like one stroke will last you two or three days. Um, you know, until you, or until you shower, your wash out your pits. It's like, it's amazing. Then of course you need, we need an oral care product. So I'm always working with the healthy gumdrops, ozonated gel and the healthy gum or the happy gumdrops paste. Sorry, we changed, it used to be healthy. We changed it to happy. Okay. Just, just, you know, you got to make the, uh, can't have the health claims. <laughs> That's right. So it's happy. Um, and then I, I just, you know, I've been using my own shampoo and conditioner for over 20 years. So I use the True Blue shampoo um, and I love, love, love our Honey Myrtle uh, hair conditioner. It's so, so gorgeous. Awesome. Oh, and then um, the Chocolate Ruby Blushing Balm for lips and cheeks. It's just the perfect amount of this beautiful red root. Oh, that's awesome. Color. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That'll give our listeners something to go look for in your store. And like I said, we'll make sure we link that. Um, is there anything you're working on these days? Anything you're particularly passionate about? Oh my gosh. I'm always, I always have about 50 products on the go. I actually try and slow myself down for the sake of humanity and the company. <laughs> <laughs> and you're a very passionate person. We know that. Yes. Um, yeah. So lots of things, new toothpastes, tooth, toothpaste, um, Again, though, these things, you know, it could, they could take three months or it could be another six months. It depends. So, yeah, a really cool new toothpaste with a mineral in it. Um, a new toothbrush that's electric but EMF-free. That actually should be out mm. in January. Um, we've got a few new frankincenses, which are up now, and a, a beautiful sweet grass uh, in our just the single essential oils. Um, and we've got a new like solstice candle out for the holiday season which is such a beautiful aroma. Beth is going to love so, that yeah. one for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a beauty. That's great. And we didn't even get time today to talk about teeth and uh, dental hygiene, which I think is also very fascinating. Do you think maybe we could get you to come back on sometime in the future to, to talk to us about that? Oh, yeah, sure. And it really that does take a good, uh, I think a good focus on that is good. Yeah, I agree. Because it can, so it, it can be in depth. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, so important. Well, listen, Nadine, we've really loved having you on our show. We've got a few questions to close this out. Um, it's the questions that my wife and I ask each other at the end of every week. The first one is, Sweet. what is one thing that you learned or changed your mind about this week? Hmm. What day are we at? We're only on Tuesday. 
Yeah, it's a quick week. Well, this I'm learning with uh, to just be without uh, electricity in the cold right now. So being without electricity just, is just, so hard. Yeah, we haven't we haven't had power since Sunday, and I've got the battery pack so I can do you know do things like talk to you. And I've got one little heating pad in underneath the duvets that's trying to, going to keep me warm in the minus 15 weather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the last time our power went out, I was appalled at how many times I would forget. Like, oh, let me check my phone. Oh, no, phone's dead. I'll, I'll go into this room. Oh, yeah, no, I can't do that. I don't have a light. Uh, let me turn on the TV. Nope, yeah, there's no TV. You're like, oh, I have a bath. Nope. <laughs> nope, can't do that. Yeah, but it also makes you appreciate it when it comes back on. Yes, which should be third, <laughs> then two more days. So okay. I'm excited. <laughs> We're rooting yeah. for you. Um, Thank you. What is what is one thing in this last week that you wish you had done better? Mm, well, I wish we'd kept the batteries charged all the time. <laughs> <Good answer>. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> Um, and had the camping stove fuel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I think our I like to step up our emergency preparedness. Cool. That's great. That's a great thing to have. Yeah. Awesome. Um, The last question is, what is one thing that you are very proud of this last week? Hmm. Well, what the life that we have set up, you know, that really sure the batteries weren't plugged in, but like every single other huge, important facet of my life, all the foundations are just so in place Mm -hmm. for this moment to be as smooth as it can be. Wow. Yeah. I think, I think, this whole thing caught a lot of people flat-footed and has taught us where the priorities are and what we really need to focus on. And I, I hope that we all come out of this a little bit more resilient and ready to handle the, the next series of issues that we're going to face. Um, and yeah, I, I hope we can learn our lessons from this. Yeah, building, you know, just understanding our resilience is is such a good thing. And I feel like sunshine is really my go-to for resilience you know it has been a bit a bit of a, a tough couple of weeks because um we also had an unexpected a friend um die unexpectedly and quite oh, tragically oh. i think so i'm not but either trying not to be too sad but um but what happened was so great is that the weather we had to sort of i think really all over north america a lot of people had a bit of a warmer couple of weeks for november and that was just so like to be able to engage with the sun for it to be warm enough that i could be out you know basically naked and tanning and then going on walks in the pleasant sunshine was just the thing that that pulled us through yeah uh, that so the sun's just our resilient friend, you know? <laughs> yeah, I love that. Both of those things. I think walking and sunshine have been, they've always been part of my life, but especially this year have been yes. so incredible, such an amazing gift, um, such an interesting way to learn about my neighborhood and experience the sun and the fresh air. And yeah, it's, it's, it's really has been incredible. Sweet. Well, this conversation has been incredible. We're so grateful for you and your time and the things that you have taught us today and have taught us over the years. I, I know, again, personally for me, for, for Bethany, we have put a lot of those things in place and have noticed a huge benefit. I'm wondering if you have um, one simple thing you'd like to leave our listeners before you take off. Um, I do, you know, again, we just talked about it, but do like find your way into the sun and let, let it be uh, a friend in your life and, and not to fear it. 
and you know, even if it's just like the 15 minute things and or if you're worried you don't believe me yet about how the, skin, the sun is good for your skin or worried about wrinkles then just you know wear a hat and get other parts of the body into the sunshine because it, it really is great i love that and i think it's important to note what you said earlier even though we're in that period of time it's it's always the saddest day when i open up dminder and it says next available vitamin D is in 68 days or 73 days or oh, something. Shoot. It's like, no. Oh, that. <laughs> but, but there's still benefit. Yeah. There still is a benefit. You might not be yes. generating a ton of vitamin D. You need to do that in the summer and you'll use that as you store it up. But, but there still is benefit to being outside in the sun. Yeah, just even the circadian rhythms and like mm. just being with real light. And, and it does uh, connect and uh, just for your own internal rhythms. It connects with the suprachiasmatic nucleus inside the brain, which affects our circadian rhythm. So there's a lot going on. We're definitely designed to, to interact with it. What, I love that. What a great message. Where can people find you and your work? So our website's livinglibations.com. You know, email us any questions. We also do free consults. I, I've trained our, our awesome team. And we're, we're, you know, if we don't know the answer, we'll hopefully send you in the right way or give you some research. So, yeah, feel free to email us. And then, you know, the books are wherever books are sold, including our website and then regular social media like Instagram and Facebook. You can catch us there. I love that. Awesome. Well, thank you, Nadine, so much. We're so grateful for you and your time. Thank you. Have a beautiful day. You too. And this has been another episode of Boundless Body Radio.